This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Everybody, thanks so much for being here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you decided uh, to stop here first on this Monday. Uh, one of the smartest people in the world, Michio Kaku, will be with us. Uh, he's a theoretical physicist, best-selling author, professor of physics at the City College uh, and City University of New York. And he is, uh, wants to go over AI and where we're going and, and what we should be worried about and not worried about. Also, life on other planets. So those two things we'll try to tackle. Meanwhile, stuff more earthly, big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. A day will come when we're unable to pay our bills unless Congress raises the debt ceiling. And it's something I strongly urge Congress um, to do. She's a very exciting speaker, isn't she? Debt ceiling. Uh, Here we go. Deal making better take place this week. The White House has a meeting with leadership on Tuesday. He's got 36 percent approval rating of his uh, of his economy from the American people. If he wants to improve it, do a deal. The problem is he says he won't. That means our economy crashes. Can someone wake Joe? Number two. What's unfortunate is that I'm asking for that information and I'm not getting it. Either the administration has that information and they're choosing not to share it, which is a problem Mm -hmm. since we're the ones who are going to deal with the crisis, or they don't have it. And that's even more concerning. Senator Sinema of Arizona, a tsunami of humanity from at least 60 countries already flooding our border as Title 42 evaporates. HHS has let the country down, and the president has jeopardized safety and security of our cities, large and small, and it's going to hit a peak this week. Number one. President Biden pushing back on questions about his age from Stephanie Rule as he bids for re-election. Just one of the big challenges he faces now more revealed by our brand new poll. This poll is just brutal for President Biden. Not buying Biden. American people are letting Dems know Joe has to go. New polls show him being crushed by Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, with this week being perhaps his most consequential week to date. Think about it. So you have the debt ceiling meeting on Tuesday. On Wednesday, by the way, James Comer is going to announce new findings on the Biden family international business. Uh, And we have a whistleblower coming forward about this whole investigation and did the attorney general lie under oath? That's coming up on Wednesday. And then, of course, on Thursday, goodbye, Title 42, which by all indications will have a flood like we've never seen before at our border. So let's go over the president's poll numbers. This is the Washington Post. The Washington Post and uh, NBC did a poll. ABC did a poll. And it is brutal. Head to head, Donald Trump beats Joe Biden 44-38. Guess what? Uh, uh, Head to head in a matchup. Now, when you ask people to factor in who, which way you're leaning and figure it in, is 49-42 Trump over Biden. Head-to-head Biden and DeSantis, 48-41 DeSantis 
49-42. So DeSantis does get the win. I know it's early, but this just shows trends and tendencies. How has the president handled the economy? 36%. His overall approval rating, absolutely terrible. With a totally compliant press, he's at 36%. Why? The guy's too old. That's why. He's shot. Let's just be honest. His policies are terrible anyway. It's not exactly in the incarnation of Ronald Reagan and JFK. He was always he was always he was never embraced by this country. And now that he's sitting there a shell of himself, his policies are destroying the country. And now they think and they tell us it's just because he doesn't do a good job uh, trumpeting his victories. Two thirds of respondents say Joe Biden does not have the mental sharpness to effectively serve. If this isn't a warning shot that the Democrats have to do something, and I don't care what they do, but maybe there is no answer. I don't know what is. Here's Chris Christie from This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Cut three. I think it tells you something we already knew, which is President Biden's got problems. And his problems are twofold. It's based on the conditions people feel in the country right now, where they feel economically threatened. And it's based on his age. And I've been talking about this for a while. I mean, I think the American people look at him and they just think he's too damn old. And that's what the polls shows. Uh, No kidding. Uh, And that's what. But they hadn't been this low for this long. And this is why, because it's the economy, even though the numbers look good, 3.4 percent unemployment added 223,000 jobs. They thought they were going to add 170,000. So that's great. But the problem is inflation hangs around. Uh, The problem is it's hard to get a mortgage. Pretty clear. The whole real estate market is plunged. If you're in commercial, you're really screwed. Here's more from Chris Christie, because... What's also happening, too, is Donald Trump is defying all gravity. He's not saying with Governor Sununu said Donald Trump can't win. Why is he winning by six? Donald Trump can't win. Why is he doubling the next uh, the next closest contender? And that's Ron DeSantis. And this is what Chris Christie says the problem is. Cut for it. On the Republican side, until there is a campaign engaged, Trump is untouchable. By definition, as you know, a candidate is untouchable until they're touched. And you see what the reaction is to being touched. And that will happen in this race. There's no question in my mind that he will be attacked directly. So far- yeah, uh, he's going to be attacked. And uh, the fact that he's on trial for rape, he's being sued civilly. The fact that he's already been indicted once. The fact that he could be looking at two more indictments. Uh, naming delegates over in Georgia. They're starting to pursue that. Uh, alternate delegates. With the Mar-a-Lago situation, they had some pool boy step up and say about moving documents around. Evidently, he's a effective whistleblower. I personally think they're both ridiculous that they're pursuing this. I think the legal cases should go by the boards. None of them are serious enough, except for what Joe Biden's doing. If he trained and cha- uh, changed foreign policy over his business interests as vice president or president, that is a big deal. But Donald Trump in front shows he's run a more disciplined campaign. It shows he's got a good team for the most part he's listening to. But his personal travails, well, at least half of them are straight ahead. Here's Sarah Fagan, a Republican strategist on on ABC, excuse me, NBC, Cut 9. Well, I don't think it's impossible to not come out. I mean, you've got to remember it's, it's going to be a long process. And, you know, what happens in Iowa, what happens in New Hampshire, South Carolina, that's going to be very consequential. And even if a candidate, you know, is expected to get 10 percent and gets 15, it becomes a week of great press for that person. And the the dynamic can change. I do think it's going to be difficult to beat Donald Trump. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. But if you really 
analyze polling and you ask the question about four different ways, Trump's hard, hard, hard support is about 14%. It's not 40. You've got a bunch of people who are for him today that are open to other people. And that's the path that these folks have to put together. And you got that, the economy, the debt ceiling. He's got to show some leadership. He's not. He says he's not going to deal with it at all. I was shocked to find out, and I had to be reminded that Nancy Pelosi asked for its spending increases from Donald Trump and got it twice to lift the debt ceiling. Then they put it on hold for two years. The other major story that uh, I am just b- beside myself for by, and, and that's what's happening at the southern border in McCallum, Texas, in Allen, Texas, over in El Paso. They're storming the border. Buses are picking a lot of them up. They're coming to New York. Do you know in New York they're starting to ferry them to counties? And the counties, who are not sanctuary cities and sanctuary counties, are saying, turn the bus around. We, we don't have any room for them. You didn't even tell us. You just put them on a bus and we're heading our direction. The cover of the New York Post today, it's how Rockland County is telling Mayor Adams of New York City, uh, I'm going to go for your throat. Wow. Talk about coming together. So now we have 1,500 soldiers going down to the border, almost all going to El Paso. But guess what they're doing? Paperwork, not even watching the border. They expect between ten and 15,000 a day. They're at 7,700 a day. Think about that, what has already taken place. Think about the fact that you got $6 million plus since Joe Biden came into office. And when Mayorkas sits there and tries to tell us over and over again that they are ready. Senator Kirsten Sinema has gone out of her way to find out what's going on by talking to sheriffs and governors. And he knows communication is terrible uh, with Mayorkas and how terrible he is. Cut 11. We also are very concerned that all of this is happening in the week or so before the rollout. Just today, I was on the phone with a sheriff of Cochise County. He has gotten no information from the Department of Homeland Security or the federal government about what the flow is going to look like about what they can expect for processing in terms of how long it takes to process migrants. He's gotten no information, neither have I, about how many buses there will be available to transport migrants. Now, he's gotten the information he does have from me, because I call him every few days. But he's not gotten that information from the Department of Homeland Security. And that's what everyone's saying. They're saying that the governor just told me on television, Governor Abbott, no, I get nothing. They've had a couple of conversations with Mayorkas. Mayorkas says communication's been great. I've set up hubs in Guatemala and Colombia, but they're not even set up yet. They're still months away from being set up. How hard is it to put up a building uh, with a waiting room? I'm going to take your calls in a second. one 408 So we have a, a lot to discuss. Just give you an idea how, to, how, how bad the numbers are. Do you know in all of fiscal year 2020, when Donald Trump's last year in office, there were 458,000 and dipping who came to our border? Do you know in fiscal year 23, and you see how early we just started May, we're at 1.2 million. Last year, 2.3 million. We're going to surpass that. Where do these people go? Who are they? What are they going to do? They can't get jobs, not supposed to, on the books. What are they going to do? To come one, come all. I know it's the best country, but we can't. We will not be the best country if we take everybody from every country. Brian Kilmeade Show, your call's next. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals 
to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Why do you think your polling is where it is? Well, I don't think people, by the way, every major one who won re-election, their polling numbers were mine are now. Put polling aside no, then, right? So, Sentiment in this country, despite no, all these wins, is I, not I, very I, good. I, all they've heard is negative news for three years. Everything is negative. I'm not being critical of the press, but you turn on the television, the only way you're going to get a hit is if there's something negative. You, you know, you don't... Anyway, that's number one. He is such he is so delusional. He's with Stephanie Rule on MSNBC. First, he said there's going to be a press conference in the afternoon. Everyone said, what are you talking about? No press conference. He meant an interview with MSNBC. Huge difference between a press conference and an interview with Stephanie Rule of MSNBC. What do you think? And then they put a lid, which means they shut down all media after 2.15. I mean, who's briefing him? That's not a lip trip. That's not a, a you know, I just reversed a sentence. I'm having a major press conference. I mean, an interview with Stephanie Rule, which is the worst question ever asked is uh, your son has problems. It's not linked to you at all. Of course, it's linked to him. Have you been paying attention? You listen to Tony Bobolinsky. You see about the laptop that we all know is real. The whole you hear about the James Comer investigation. What do you mean? Of course, it's linked to you. But uh, I and I, I don't really think, you know, I don't think he's Mr. Compassionate guy either. People are like, well, he's getting older. He's a little slower. No. He's extremely slow. I don't know who's making decisions, but we got major life and death decisions for our country at stake. And he's been unable to step up. And what he's talking about, which he didn't even get these polls yet. He says, everybody's been where I'm at when they're looking for reelection. No, you're way below even Donald Trump. And if you think that you have negative press, you don't understand what negative press is. You talk to W. Bush or you talk to Donald Trump. That's everybody negative. 20 of the 24, 23 of 24 hours. On a good week for Donald Trump, most everybody looks past all your faux pas and all your big mistakes and your terrible policies, and they look past it. Right now, how are you handling the economy? 36%. Overall uh, approval, 36%. Disapproval, 58%. Head-to-head with Donald Trump, you lose big time. Now, I think what's most disturbing, perhaps, is who else he's losing. He's losing certain people in the demo. And certain people he needs to win, uh, win over. And I had it right here. 
and independence, he has gone from up 15 to minus 9 to Donald Trump. And he was at 75. I think he lost 15 percent with African-Americans. He can't lose 5 percent, expect to be successful. And for those people who are saying, leave him in, he's the only one who could beat Donald Trump. Are you paying attention? I don't think so. Listen to Rick Klein, number two. You talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. Only 36 percent of Democrats think that their party should nominate Joe Biden for a second term. Fifty eight percent say they would uh, support someone else or prefer someone else. That's despite the fact that the entire DNC and most of the Democratic establishment has rallied behind President Biden. Yeah, uh, there's a lot going on. I mean, and keep in mind, I always talk about Trump and Biden because they're going head to head. Ron DeSantis, it looks like he's going to forego the whole exploratory committee. Let me think about it. And it looks like he's going to jump in about two weeks. Everyone's seen the polls. He's definitely a solid second, but he's not growing. In fact, he's decreasing. But after this session, his comeback should begin. I'm talking about the supermajority in the, in the, uh, in the state legislature that he has. I think he's really, uh, really got some gains. For Republicans, I'm not sure how much is going to help him in the general, but does he expand? He expanded the usage of the death penalty. He pushed back against bail reform, increased sentences for drug traffickers big time. Uh, One of the final bills that passed have been banning transgender minors from receiving puberty blockers or hormone therapy and perhaps the state's Medicaid program from covering all of it ever. He also passed a hate crimes bill, cracking down on those who committed anti-Semitic crimes, which is not happening. We don't see a a big enough crackdown, I'll tell you that. Some of DeSantis' achievements could prove problematic in the general Axios rights. If he emerges as the the nominee, polls show a majority majority of American people oppose a six-week abortion ban. So they want it more than six weeks. That's what they got. While expand, that's what they got right now in, in uh, Florida. And uh, while expanding concealed carry rights is, is a big thing in Florida, people like that. It's a tricky sell to swing voters, especially one of those on a fence now when you have a shooting like what just happened over the weekend on Saturday in Texas. And people want to come down and decide that law-abiding citizens are the problem. The other thing to keep in mind with the Biden people, and I think it'll be effective affecting his schedule, he's doing almost nothing. But Neera Tandon has replaced Susan Rice. Remember her with the horrible things she said about all the Republicans so bad she couldn't even pass the nomination process? So now they're just going to place her in there. Moderates in trouble? A new poll from the GOP firm Coefficient found Manchin is now trailing Jim Justice by 14 points in the Senate. That's a big – West Virginia is a big hub for uh, Republicans. They just are not able to seat – that Republican, their Republican senator, because he was such a popular governor, in Joe Manchin. The other person who's doing business is Cinema, but Cinema decided I left the Democratic Party. I'm not want to be a Republican, but all she is is effective. And she says, despite the incumbent in the state, large numbers of independents, Cinema has consistently pulled in third place in the early public offering, testing a three-day, uh, three-way matchup against uh, Ruben Gallego. So I'm not sure what party she would run on. She's going to abdicate and say, let the Democrats just run for the Democrat nomination. But if you have a good Republican and Ruben Gallego is a really good Democrat for Democrats, they will um, 
they will necessarily, obviously, Senator Sinema, who needs more left, will take a bite out of the Democrats. That'll help the Republican if he or she is a contender. And it could be Carrie Lake. So we'll see what happens. She says that even though she really should be governor and you rightly should be governor, Carrie Lake will probably run for that spot. And the risk you have is if you lose twice, they really don't want to back you for a third time. So that's where you got to really pick your spots. Uh, Michio Kaku will be with us shortly. You'll listen to Brian Kill Me Show. Don't move. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You've spoken out saying that AI could manipulate or possibly figure out a way to kill humans. How could it kill humans? Well, eventually, if it gets to be much smarter than us, it'll be very good at manipulation because it will have learned that from us. There are very few examples of a more intelligent thing being controlled by a less intelligent thing. And it knows how to program, so it'll figure out ways of getting around um, restrictions we put on it. It'll figure out ways of manipulating people to do what it wants. Uh, It's crazy what's going on. I have never seen a topic more pervasive where people are talking that's not about a result of a politician or or a referendum or it is just about AI and what it means. We're not that aware of what the Internet would do and the revolutionary the revolution it would cause. And now we're on the cusp of AI, and they're saying this is going to be bigger and it's going to be more pervasive. Michio Kaku is a theoretical physicist, best-selling author, professor of physics at the City College and City University of New York. Uh, Dr. Kaku, welcome back. Glad to be on the show. Hey, uh, first off, uh, are you? What is what is the one thing that a layman should be worried about when it comes to AI? Well, there's good news and bad news. The good news is that these chatbots will increase productivity, increase efficiency, reduce the speed at which we can write essays. That's the good news. The bad news is that they don't know the difference between right and wrong, between truth and falsehood, and they can spew out all sorts of nonsense. There's no fact-checking, and that's the problem. We need a fact-checker for these chatbots. And that's why we need what are called quantum computers, a higher-level computer that I write about in my book, Quantum Supremacy, to be a check on some of these chatbots. How, how would you characterize, how do you define quantum? Quantum is the atom. So, in other words, uh, computers today compute on transistors, and these transistors are maybe 50 to 500 atoms across. Once they get down to an atom across, then everything falls apart, and we have to go to a higher-level computer, quantum computers, that I write about in my book, Quantum Supremacy. So that's the future. Silicon Valley could become a rust belt unless we make the transition from transistors and digital to quantum, that is, computing on atoms rather than hundreds of atoms in a transistor. And and the, your name of your book is Quantum Supremacy, How the Quantum Computer Revolution will change everything. So you think it's the next step past AI? Uh, That's right. We're talking about going beyond digital computers. Digital computers compute on transistors, and transistors are 50 to 100 to 1,000 atoms across. Huge. 
And they're not powerful enough to fact check all the articles coming out. That's the problem. That means that nonsense, racism, all sorts of junk could come out. If a teenage boy writes an essay about the fact that the robots are going to take over, uh, some tape recorder may pick it up and spew it all over the country. That's why we need a fact checker. And that's why we want to have the next generation of computers called quantum computers to fact check some of the nonsense that comes out of these chatbots. And so you're one of these people when you see that you, you've pointed out already that chatbot, GBT, whatever, you've, you, you could see some bias in what they're spouting out in terms of what uh, politics. And, and I'm so wondering right. where that bias comes from. Well, you know, these chatbots are like tape recorders. Uh, and we have an expression, garbage in, garbage out. The tape recorder simply takes bits and pieces on the Internet, cobbles them together, splices them together, and passes it off as your own. So if a teenage boy writes all sorts of nonsense, some chatbot may pick up some of those fragments and incorporate it into an article and come out with sensational headlines like the robots are going to take over, humanity is going to be enslaved. And so uh, there's no fact-checking to make sure that teenage boys don't run amok on the Internet. So I want you to hear what Jeffrey Hinton said, uh, Dr. Kaku. Cut 44. It's not clear to me that we can solve this problem. Um, I believe we should put a big effort into thinking about ways to solve the problem. I don't have a solution at present. I just want people to be aware that this is a really serious problem and we need to be thinking about it very hard. I don't think we can stop the progress. I didn't sign the petition saying we should stop working on AI because if people in America stopped, people in China wouldn't. It's very hard to verify whether people are doing it. So that is the so-called godfather of AI. He says, I would not stop. You wouldn't stop either, I imagine. Uh, No. And we have to, at some point, pass even laws to restrict the garbage that comes out of what happens if teenage boys uh, run amok. You know, you cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. There are limits to free speech. And I think that's a good thing. So it's better that the industry police itself rather than some heavy-handed politician coming in to propose checks and balances on on chatbots. I think self-regulation is the way to go with um, uh, fact-checking, and then we don't have to have the heavy hand of bureaucracy coming in because politicians have their own agenda. They're going to promote their point of view rather than what is good for the general public. So I think in general, we should allow free speech, but just like you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, there have to be some restrictions on it so that these chatbots don't run amok. Right. Uh, for example, I mean, we're watching music now being generated from Drake and uh, from Drake in the weekend. And that song was totally made up of what they've done in the past. Somebody else put it together. They released it. It becomes a bestseller. It had nothing to do with the artist. Is that what you're talking right. about? That's right. In fact, in Japan, it's even more advanced. Uh, They have concerts uh, sung by uh, musicians that have long died, and uh, the voice is genuinely the voice of the original artist. But, of course, it's been modified by a computer. And so who controls the rights? You see, we're we're in an area where the law uh, has not caught up with the technology. The technology is way ahead of the law. But rather than having politicians make the law, I would hope that the industry matures and realizes that it has to slow down. 
it has to self-regulate mm-hmm. or else some politician will come in with a heavy-handed sledgehammer and, uh, and do the uh, restrictions uh, for it. So I think we have to have some self-control. The industry has to mature and handle this themselves. You know, when you see a movie, at the end of the movie, uh, there's a disclaimer. And the disclaimer says, this movie is fake. All the actors are fake. This whole movie is fake. It's a disclaimer. In the future, we may have to have that, or else, like I said, teenage boys can run amok, and a lot of that will be incorporated into official-sounding um, articles. And that's why we have these sensational headlines coming out saying that the robots are going to take over and that humans yeah. are irrelevant. That's why we get those headlines, because some teenage boy wrote it. So let's talk about quantum computing, Dr. Karku. Um the, right now, where are we at, and are you concerned that China is ahead of us? Uh, well, China is way ahead of many co- companies in America. However, IBM and Google are also neck and neck with the Chinese. Uh, the Chinese are using uh, light beams, light beams to do calculations. They compute on light. In America, we compute on electrons, but it's a race to see who's going to eventually uh, win the race. It's still early. In fact, the CIA is monitoring this very carefully because the nation that attains attains, uh, quantum computers can also break into codes. Uh, They can steal the crown jewels of any nation that is the top secret uh, nuclear codes, the codes for the banking system. So we have to make sure that there are controls to make sure that uh, super powerful quantum computers don't break into the banking system. So a lot of people did not foresee the negativity with the Internet. Did you? The potential uh, negativity? Well, it's like a tape recorder. You know, all of human knowledge and human customs and human foibles are on the Internet. If the Internet looks awful, it's just a reflection of what we are. We're, we're humans, and we write all sorts of nonsense to each other, and some of that stuff gets on the Internet. So I assume that the Internet reflects humanity. However, just like humanity has to have laws passed so that we don't yell fire in a crowded theater, I think the Internet also needs a little bit of policing or else some heavy-handed politician will do it for us. And we certainly don't want that. So this is what Neil deGrasse, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, cut 47. Suppose you, there are two countries that are already not getting along. All right. And then you fake an announcement of the leader of one of those countries that they're going to invade this afternoon. And the other country then reacts to this. And then it completes complete deadly chaos, even though neither leader said what the deep fake claimed it did. And deep fake could be effective, could sound exactly alike. I've already seen it demonstrated. I'm sure you've seen it demonstrated. How do you possibly govern against something like that? Vladimir Putin's voice being impersonated, uh, a direct call to say, I've had it with you, with NATO infiltrating into this fight with Ukraine. Uh, I'm going to set off nukes. Yeah, that's why we need fact checking. And right now, the digital computers of today are not up to the task of uh, being able to fact check every sound, every sound bite, every statement by some political leader. And in a hot spot, 
the slightest the slightest rumor could set off a war that that's happened many times in the past that rumors can set off wars and so we have to make sure that we, the fact checker can analyze people's voices and tell when it's been modified a modified voice can be detected you can see the telltale nicks and cracks inside the recording that's fake and so that's why we have to have fact checking and that's why you know like i said quantum computers would be powerful enough to fact check a lot of the statements. But in a hotspot, when people yell at each other and each side has nuclear weapons, then we're in a very, very tenuous situation. And that's why these chatbots could in fact start a war. And that's why we have to have controls on this. And that's why we need advanced technology to make sure that people don't take Vladimir Putin's voice or Biden's voice and have them say all sorts of weird things. So. Uh, what are the most recent developments? How close are we to having commercially available quantum computers? Uh, well, we have quantum computers already. Uh, <clears throat> D-Wave in Canada already markets a, a rather primitive uh, uh, quantum computer, so they're already on the market. However, we want an all-purpose quantum computer that can mimic, for example, chemistry and mimic biology so that we can tackle things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and cancer even. And so those quantum computers are not yet on the market. That's why there's a horse race. The horses are out of the gate now with the Chinese and IBM and Google leading the pack. Silicon Valley could become a rust belt unless we, we take the leadership in quantum computers. Think about that. The country that controls quantum computers will, in, in some sense, control the world economy. And that's why all the big names of Silicon Valley are hot on the trail. They're also working on quantum computers. And this, in some sense, is even more important than chatbots, because chatbots are basically software, while quantum computers is hardware. That is, the workhorse that does all the, all the heavy lifting will be done by quantum computers. Yeah, I guess we're, we're going to find out. Tell me about singularity and how close we are to achieving it and its implications. Well, computer power doubles every 18 months. And if you simply project it into the future, uh-oh, you realize that by 2045, uh, the robots uh, will be comparable in intelligence to humans. However, there's some flaws in that calculation. That depends upon Moore's law, that computer power doubles every 18 months. We assume that at Christmas time, your Christmas toys are twice as powerful as the previous Christmas. Everyone believes that. But Moore's law is slowing down. We're getting down to the level of atoms now. And at that point, silicon simply can't cut it. And so what's happening is that Silicon Valley, uh, the uh, Moore's law will eventually flatten out. And that's why I think that the singularity is going to be pushed farther back. It's not going to be 2045. I think it'll be more toward the end of the century when robots become sentient. Now, once robots become conscious and sentient, then we have to watch out. But right now, they're not. They're like tape recorders. They're like uh, mechanical robots that do what they're told. They have no self-instructions. Uh, they don't program themselves. Uh, that's self-awareness. They don't have self-awareness. You can go right up to the most advanced computer in the world, slap it on its back, congratulate it for being so advanced, and it wouldn't know what happened. And so we have time. We have time till I think, the end of the century to be able to build robots that are helpful and can increase productivity mm -hmm. without having them become self-aware and conscious.
Right. Uh, Michio Kaku, congratulations on your book. Go out and pick it up if you want to be the smartest one at your party this weekend. Quantum Supremacy, How the Quantum com- Computer Revolution Will Change Everything. Thanks, Doctor. Okay, anytime. You got mm-hmm. it, 1-866-408-7669. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, your first chance to talk. Since you've been thinking about everything this weekend, you could be on the air in just a moment. Don't move. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son has done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. Is that the nuttiest exchange ever? I mean, first off, while no ties to you, totally wrong. My son has done nothing wrong. You know that's wrong. I mean, for one, you got excuse. You have to interrupt. And say, I know what your son. You know you're protected, but you know your son. Uh, we've seen the, the laptop with the Washington Post, New York Times, both says is accurate, and they show that he's doing crack. His addiction to to his addiction, his sexual addiction, is pretty obvious. Number two is the addiction to crack goes without saying. Uh, what he's done in terms of his behavior is absolutely abhorrent, and the international business deals are the big questions. It's taxes and guns which he was doing with Bo's widow. I mean, there's so many questions. Number one, I don't think this is, tell me if this, you think this is wrong. They asked the President of the United States, being that the, uh, that the paternity test came back positive, that it is Hunter Biden is the son to, uh, to Navy Joan in. The father. The fa- is the father to Navy Joan. Um, why, do you not, why do you not acknowledge her as your granddaughter? Is that is that a bad question to ask? I think how do you not ask that question? Right. And how and well, your answer has to be She is my granddaughter. I've been asked I don't know what I don't know a good answer. If if his answer would probably be like, "Oh, she's not mine or the test didn't come back or I don't believe that or my my son told me it's not his." Or I'm sure they told them that if you ask that question we're going to end the interview. Right? I mean, do you think I don't know. If that comes out that they gave prerequisites, even though it's MSNBC, yeah. that would be huge news. I, I mean, no one will ever admit that, but right. I mean, but even though it has no ties to you, maybe that was a prerequisite because it, the whole thing is beginning on Wednesday. They talk about knowing exactly all the Bidens that are benefiting from this, and you have the guy leading this who is the most emotionally fragile in your family for generations. He is the most flawed human being you can met. I'm not saying he's not. He's bright. I mean, he finished law school. I, I guess he's a bright guy, but he's destroying himself with illegal drugs and guns. And his personal behavior is absolutely out of control. And it's all caught on tape, on video, on still pictures. And it's about to hit the fan on Wednesday. And I just cannot believe the poll. The Washington Post says Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden by this much. He has never, ever been leading him like this before, ever. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, if you're in the Northeast, you definitely had a good time or have 
we've definitely earned a good weather weekend, especially it literally was like half Seattle, half London uh, with the pouring rain. Uh, I did not watch any of the King coverage. I'm sorry if you have any questions about that. I'll be sitting there. I'll be all ears. But I have nothing to say about that. But I did see a lot of action going on. Polls are just stunning. And this possibly the most consequential week for our country and certainly in Joe Biden's career. And I'll explain it. And this hour, we got some great guests. Uh, we have coming your way. Uh, Senator John Kennedy is going to be here in a matter of moments. And Charlie Heard at the bottom of the hour. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. A day will come when we're unable to pay our bills unless Congress raises the debt ceiling. And it's something I strongly urge Congress um, to do. Huh. She's such an exciting speaker. The debt ceiling deal, making be- uh, uh, make it better. It's going to begin the week here. Tomorrow is going to be the big high stakes meeting at the White House. All the leaders are there. And I'm thinking they're going to get something done, except for the fact the president says I won't deal at all. With the debt ceiling, is he willing to crash the economy? Number two, what's unfortunate is that I'm asking for that information and I'm not getting it. Either the administration has that information and they're choosing not to share it, which is a problem Mm -hmm. since we're the ones who are going to deal with the crisis, or they don't have it. And that's even more concerning. A tsunami of humanity from at least 60 nations already flooding our border as Title 42 expires in three days. HHS won't let the country down, will let the country down. This president has jeopardized our safety and security, and he's not communicating to the local authorities. He's not communicating to the American people. And what we're watching now with our drone footage is appalling. Number one. President Biden pushing back on questions about his age from Stephanie Rule as he bids for re-election. It's just one of the big challenges he faces now, more revealed by our brand new poll. This poll is just brutal for President Biden. No kidding. Of course it's brutal for President Biden. It's brutal for the, us. A not buying Biden. The American people are letting the Dems know that if you have Joe, he will lose. He's losing to Trump. He's losing to DeSantis. And he's losing the American people. He's losing independence because he's terrible. He was not great in his 50s. In his 80s, he shot, and most America agrees with that. That's not a political attack. Uh, Joining us now is Senator John Kennedy. Senator Kennedy, this is an impactful week like I haven't seen in quite some time outside an election result. Do you agree? Yeah, it'll, it'll be a lively week, that's for sure, Brian. Tuesday, the debt ceiling. With the president getting 36 percent approval on the economy, being outstripped by Trump, he was at 54 percent approval on the economy when head to head. Do you think that he is going to change his stance on uh, uh, a clean debt, uh, a clean debt bill or nothing? Well, I'm, I'm pretty much an optimist who worries. Um, I think the president uh, viewed all of this through a political lens instead of demonstrating leadership and saying, let's sit down and work this out. He gambled that the House Republicans couldn't come up with a plan. They did. In fact, it's the only plan on the table. And it it, it raises the debt limit. But it says we also, Mr. President, want to implement what I think are some modest uh, changes to reduce the rate of growth of spending and debt accumulation. Um, will the president operate in good faith? I don't know, Brian. Um, but I, I don't think since he seems to like to view things through a political lens uh, at the moment, if he doesn't, he'll be responsible 
for the, uh, America defaulting on its debt, w- which would be catastrophic. You got 43 Republicans, including yourself, that said they're going to support uh, what the House put forward. So McConnell's going to come to the table and he's not going to back a debt ceiling increase without substantive reforms. So they thought that the crazy House House Republicans would be the were the ones in the corner looking like they were unhinged. Instead, they look organized and McConnell signed on to it. And my hope is that with his experience and with the staff, they realize they might not have leverage here that they thought they had. Well, I'm very proud of what the House did, and I do support it. I'm proud of what the Republicans did. We did make a critical mistake, though. Um, we never should have passed the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill last December. I voted against that. Had we said no, that would have started the discussions between President Biden and Speaker McCarthy immediately. So we basically lost, what, five, six months here. Um, but, you know, at some point, you got to stop create, uh, uh, regretting yesterday and start creating tomorrow. And here we are. And the president, I mean, to, if the president's listening, I would say pretty, pretty, pretty pleased with, with uh, sugar on top, uh, negotiate in good faith. I'll send you a sponge cake, whatever I need to do. But please stop looking at this through a political lens and start thinking uh, about the fact that we what we're doing with all this spending and debt it, we're just trading in tomorrow for today. That's all we're doing, Brian. Hey, listen, we've had 12 straight interest rates. Uh, the, the, they were 10 straight week, 10 straight interest raises, okay? Three bank failures in the last six months. The president loves the job numbers, 253,000. Congratulations, 3.4% unemployment. But the reason why he's got low economic numbers by almost all accounts is inflation. So until he finds a way to tackle that, the American people are going to continue to say, uh, I don't really feel this guy can pilot effectively. So this would be an opportunity for him to say, I can do a deal and turn things around because he has to be alarmed. And his team has to be alarmed about that ABC Washington Post ball where he has 36 percent approval rating, losing to Trump and DeSantis by seven, eight points. There's no place in which he's grading high. This isn't political spin center. Not from the ABC Washington Post. Well, I think President Biden needs to engage with the American people more. Now, right or wrong, Brian, um, a vast majority of Americans think that President Biden is older than the Adirondack Mountains and uh, he, and that he, he's uh, not fit for the job. Uh, and, and the only way he can uh, dispel that, that perception is to, is to go out front and say, here's what I believe and here's where I am. Uh, President Biden's economic plan is the proximate cause of this mess. He's been trying to, to convince people that pe- that folks uh, 401ks and their banks are crashing because the economy is so good, and and nobody nobody believes that. And the other factor is inflation. Um, you know, people in Washington they're not subject to inflation. Uh, Washington is recession proof. Um, but the American people are, and, and particularly in food prices. I mean, we've had a drop in the price of eggs, for example, but over over a year, they're up like 35%. Now, people in Washington, they laugh at that. Ah, you know, eggs, you know, uh, they only eat the whites. They don't eat the yolks. <laughs> they don't notice the price of eggs. But, boy, the American people do, and, and uh, the inflation is gutting 
the American dream like a fish, and the president needs to take it seriously. Step one would be to agree to reduce the rate of growth of spending and debt accumulation so we can help on the fiscal side, help with what Powell's doing on the monetary side. And the more we reduce spending and debt accumulation, the less Jay Powell has to raise interest rates. So a vote against reducing spending and debt accumulation is a vote for higher interest rates. And uh, I may be wrong, but I think it's highly unlikely. The other thing that is catastrophic is what's happening at our border. We know we're at 7,700. It's going to go up to 14. And yet Mallorca says we, we're prepared for it. We're ready for it. Nobody believes that, including Henry Cuellar, a Democrat, who if they actually wanted to have an effective border policy within their party, they would be on the phone with him every hour of the day, but they don't even contact him. Cut 20. And remember, I know a lot of times they say, well, the immigration system is broken. The immigration system is broken. Yes, we do need to have immigration reform. But keep in mind, President Obama, uh, you know, for the folks that were not supposed to be here, actually deported more people than President Trump. So there's a way that you can have law and order at the border and still respect the legitimate, I emphasize the word, legitimate mm-hmm. asylum claims. And none of these people lining up have legitimate asylum claims, almost to a person, but they're all getting in. So what, what is going on? What could, what could his motivation be? Well, the, the, the people in the Biden administration in charge of the, the border, including the president himself and the vice president, they just believe in open borders. I mean, nobody's this incompetent, right? I mean, they just believe in open borders. Now, the president at some point um, decided to get rid of Title 42, and uh, uh, he he said, well, I'm sending 1,500 um, (laughs) troops down to help the border. Well, until he shows me otherwise, I think all the troops are going to do is help us fill out. Help, help the uh, illegal immigrants fill out paperwork. That's true. And say, come he on said in. It. They're just going to speed up people coming on in. And that's not going to solve the problem. This has totally undermined legal immigration. We've got Nigerian doctors and German engineers who've been waiting in line patiently for years. You know, they have hopes and dreams too. They're following the rules. And they've been waiting for years. Meanwhile, President Biden will let any any gangbanger drug dealer, come on in, welcome, come on in if they can if they can somehow jump a fence or swim across the Rio Grande. You, you it know, makes no sense. Senator, I'll give you an example. So I have college age kids and a lot of the a lot mm-hmm. of the players, athletes are from Canada, especially the hockey team obviously. To to get a job here, they have to prove they have a job here and then they gotta prove that no other American, the company has to prove no other American could take that job. And it, believe me, they're biting their nails. They all want to stay. And if they don't get the job and a job willing to go to bat for them to say this guy or this woman's got unique talent, they don't stay. And when they see the southern border, all these people get to say and they're waiting 10 years before they even have to go in front of a judge. How can any country exist like this? Well, we can't long term, and it's why no other country is doing what we're doing. Um and it, but the Biden people say, well, you know, you're a racist if you don't believe in open borders. No, I think you're prudent. I don't know a single country that doesn't want to know who's coming in and out of their nation. 
I don't know that many people that don't lock their door front doors at night. Right. They don't lock their front doors because they hate everybody on the outside. They lock their front doors because they love the people on the inside, and they want to know who's coming in and out of their house, for God's sakes. And yeah. it's the same way with the border. But this bunch of woke cupcakes in the White House think that if you don't believe in open borders – you're a stone cold racist. You got to pressure Mexico. I mean, they do. Yeah, you got to you got to pressure Mexico with tariffs. You got to go meet with the Ecuador leader, the uh, the Guatemalan, the Colombian, whoever it is, and you got to say, guys, you got to lope up, you got to lace up your border, or else you're going to lose some of the aid here. Uh, and this is some incentives we can give you should you be able to do this. And then talk. I mean, that's you got to do the hard work. This would be a way for the vice president to actually get some street cred and to, and and go do a job effectively. Well, all President Biden would have to do, he wouldn't have to embarrass anybody. He'd have to pick up the telephone and call President Lopez Obrador in in Mexico in a private conversation and say, look, Mr. President, we're going to implement a Remain in Mexico program. We're going to turn all the folks back that you're letting through, and they can fill out their paperwork for asylum status without coming into our country. And President Lopez Obrador is going to say, well, I don't like that. And, and the president of the United States ought to say, look, I understand you don't, and I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you don't agree to this, uh, I'm going to punish you the rest of your natural life. And you know I can do it, and I don't want to do it. And Mexico's a good friend, but you got to meet us halfway. Absolutely. We both know what's going on. And that would solve the problem. And yeah. you know what? Lopez Obrador, he would do it because Mexico can't survive economically without the United States of America. Boom. Problem solved. So we know the horrific shooting that took place uh, over the weekend, the latest one uh, right over in Texas, in Allen, Texas. Uh, You're introducing a bill to expand concealed carry for qualified police officers. What would that do, Senator? Well, we passed a bill years years ago that uh, would allow retired police officers and off-duty police officers who know how to handle a gun, uh, uh, concealed carry a weapon. The problem is that Congress in its wisdom, decided to exempt uh, the the officers who are on state, local, or federal land. My bill would say you can do it on state, local, and federal land, including a school. These are people, obviously retired officers, who are are highly trained, and they know what they're doing, and they could conceal carry, and I think we, we would all feel safer. I'm going to, uh, one of the biggest surprises I had from this new poll in 2024, it's the first time I remember Trump leading Biden. He leads him by seven points head to head, and tr- and DeSantis is seven point lead over Biden head to head. Do you look at this poll as an aberration, or is is this world starting to understand the difference in leadership and all the other the page six stuff doesn't matter? Well, it's a, certainly a snapshot in time. Um, Look, you know, my only prediction about the presidential race is that the, the, the experts will be wrong. These things take strange twists and turns. I will say this, and I think most fair-minded people will agree with this. Uh, I have never seen numbers – well, I have, but it's been a long time – as bad as President Biden's. Um, they, they, the American people – I'm not saying I, I necessarily agree, but they, they believe that uh, he's incompetent. That he's too old. Uh, they think he can't finish a sentence without taking a nap. Uh, they don't much like his vice president. 
Uh, they think the country is too far to the left. Yes. And they think he's he's mismanaged Congress, COVID, the border, crime, um, um, Sorry, energy policy, cancel it. culture. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're just they're just they think this the gentleman has been spectacularly awful. And and you're spectacularly great. Uh, Senator Kennedy, a great guest on any show at any time. Thank you so much. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back. Just looking at another poll um, from, this is from the Vanderbilt poll over in Tennessee. Trump by 16 over Biden. uh, And he's by nine, uh, and DeSantis nine over Biden. I'm wondering, you know, they don't really go down the pike. I wonder if Tim Scott has got similar numbers or Nikki Haley or any others when they actually get in. I think it's going to be fascinating to see, and I think the Trump people are beginning just to say, These, "This is my, this is my race. If you want to get in, you do it at your own peril." And I think DeSantis gets in anyway, no doubt about it. He's going to start trumpeting what he did with Florida and what he passed there with the super legislative wins. And I'll go over that a little with Charlie Hurd, who's coming up next. But I do like to take this moment to uh, welcome two new affiliates in. And that is WDKDXE AM thirteen seventy in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Uh, we're going to be on live there nine to eleven Central Time, and that WMICT AM FM twelve seventy one hundred two point three over in uh, Petoskey, Michigan. So that'll be great. So uh, always love welcoming new affiliates and see where we're at right now, and also uh, welcome in uh, Charlie Hurt. This is going to get really interesting twenty twenty four. But this week, of all weeks, between James Comer's announcement on Wednesday, since the debt ceiling meeting on Tuesday, and Thursday, the expiration of Title 42, I never remember a bunch of things hitting the fan at this time, this much, this impactful for our country. Uh, Joe Biden, you're already doing bad. If you don't step up this week, you're finished. radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Why do you think your polling is where it is? Well, I don't think people, by the way, every major one who won re-election, their polling numbers are mine right now. Put polling aside then, right? Sentiment in this country, despite all these wins, is not very good. I think all they've heard is negative news for three years. Everything is negative. I'm not being critical of the press, but you turn on the television, the only way you're going to get a hit is if there's something negative. You, You know, you don't, anyway... That's number one. Uh, that is Joe Biden uh, doing an interview on MSNBC, which he he got us ready for that interview by saying, "I'm going to have a national, I'm going to have a big press conference." And everyone said, "What are you talking about? You having a press conference?" He's, "Yeah, I'm having a press conference later." And then they go, "He's not having a press conference. He's having an interview." And put the lid on at two fifteen on Friday. With me right now is Charlie Hurt, uh, Charlie Fox, who's contributor columnist for the Washington Times. Um, I thought it was. I, I thought Stephanie Rule had joined the White House press. Uh, Press office. Well, I was just debating that. Was Allison like, brought that up. Do you think before that, before that interview, there was a there was a deal that they sat down and they talked about these? Are the I said, listen, if you bring up Hunter, well, don't you, link it to you, the president. <laughs> Pro- oh no, 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 actually, no. I uh, there's uh, uh, no doubt in my mind that 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 happened. I mean, uh, you would think that maybe uh, 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 Biden would have performed better if he knew the questions ahead of time. But I, I, there's no doubt he knew the questions ahead of time, and there is no doubt that that she. 
that that was – I mean, she was sticking to a script about it. I realize none of this has anything to do with you or your performance in office. But – which, uh, again, is so insulting. And I thought it was interesting also that 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 Biden, like, played along with that and talked about the personal foibles of his son and how his son makes him so proud. But the, the, the sort of the flip side of that – is that it, it, it's like he's building a firewall between Hunter and himself. The problem that we have with everything that's going on has nothing to do with Hunter's hookers or coke or crack or whatever it is. It has to do with the larger public corruption thing that Joe Biden is integrally – that doesn't exist without Joe Biden. You know, he's like – he's the kingpin in the corruption scandal that people are actually concerned about. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And and that's what I think that uh, James Comer's got to continue to not say anything that, that he can't verify and right. say if he doesn't know, say this is what it's leaning. Don't don't overstep. I think investigations, definitely they were guilty with Trump. They made stuff up that never was substantiated. But they he this is was so interesting. Don't I, I never thought I'd hear this. Don't indict. My fear is they're going to indict Hunter before Wednesday. Cut 38. We've spent the past hundred days pouring over bank documents. I've used subpoena power to get these bank documents. We've been meeting with uh, former associates of the Bidens in their different influence peddling schemes. We've been meeting with whistleblowers. We know exactly uh, what this family was doing. And by all accounts from the, the media reports that we're getting, what they're looking at charging Hunter Biden on is a, is a slap on the wrist. It's a drop in the bucket. So Wednesday will be a very big day uh, for the American people in getting the facts presented to them so that they can know the truth. And then the Department of Justice can finally do what they should have done years ago. Wait till Wednesday. Yeah. He's like, Dude, I think the FBI might jump the, jump the gun and just indict him on Tuesday. Yeah, but, but I think that the, the larger concern there, and Comer is exactly right about this, is that they're going to indict him for this penny ante stuff. Like, not not yeah. that it's penny ante, I don't mean that. But compare, compared to the bigger crimes is penny ante. Uh, lying on a gun form, which, by the way, either one of us would go to jail for. Any, anybody I know would go to jail for, for doing that. Uh, lying on a gun for, form or any of the other things that he is openly admitted to doing. As serious as that is, um, that is ridiculous compared to the much larger larger things that – uh, Comer is apparently uh, beginning to reveal, and I and I, I do think I, I, hats off to I, I know a lot of people are frustrated because of the slow pace of uh, this investigation, but you know you've got a guy like Chuck Grassley. I've covered him for decades. He is you, you can take whatever he says to the bank. He is not a partisan hack in any way. He does not make stuff up. Comer is obviously has not been around that as long. But he's demonstrating that he comes from the same sort of belief that, you know, uh, under promise and over deliver. And which, of course, when you look at what Democrats have done for, you know, did for during the Trump years, you know, Adam Schiff, they were like fantasize first and then deliver nothing. It was and and I think that the the damage they did to their own credibility was just staggering. Um, I think that I, I think that once the once we start seeing actual uh, evidence and documentation come out in this, it's going to 
blow people away. I mean, the CEFC is an energy company directly to the Chinese government. And the fact is he, that there was an agent there sharing an office with Joe Biden who had keys there with Jill Biden. Uh, and they were working together, and they were part of the Belt and Road Program, which was constructed to undermine America influence in the world. It's crazy that this happened. So and now with the undoing of the China Initiative, as soon as the president, uh, the China, the China Initiative set up in this country to push back on China in our country and around the world, that was just was let go by this administration the minute he walked in. So oftentimes, when somebody gets indicted. Authorities don't have the full case when they indict. They, they, you, you have the indictment and you use that to get more information to do the rest of your investigation. Anybody, any normal person would already be indicted for this. Yeah. There are, there's enough evidence, enough uh, obvious red flags that, that they are committing you know, vast corruption that you would already be arrested at this point. Uh, I want, first, uh, I want to get you angry. So I want to play uh, Juan Williams. He feels differently than you uh, <laughs> because you're too happy. Cut 43. But you compare that to the graft and the grifting oh, for man. Trump golf courses, Trump hotels, uh, Chinese shoe deals with the daughter, the son-in-law getting billions uh, from the Saudis. It's unbelievable. Even this week, you have to compare it to the trouble we've heard about in New York with a sexual assault case against Trump. But this is what Hunter Biden has come down to now. He is a distraction a shield against all the trouble that Trump is is experiencing. See, this is what I love about Juan. I mean, what, you know, if you want to know what uh, the left is going to say about stuff or Democrats are going to say about stuff, when all the chips are down <laughs> and it's looking really bad for them, he presents it, and I admire that. It's nonsense. It's right. it's insanity. It's ludicrous. Um, you think. You and think I, if this they is, actually this, had goods on Donald Trump, they wouldn't have brought them? You think, I, you think they were playing softball with Donald Trump over the last six years? I think you know what's interesting is that if Donald Trump is in business before, he right. owns a, a golf course in Scotland. Okay, yeah. He owns um, buildings in Turkey. He also has Saudi Arabian interests. I will take our relationship with Saudi Arabia then as opposed to now. Oh, yeah. I will take the confrontation that Donald Trump did with China – then, as opposed to now, it doesn't mean in 1999 and in 2019, or not 19, but 2013, he couldn't be doing deals internationally. When you become a politician, if Jamie Dimon decided to run for office, they might go, why were you investing? Because I worked for J.P. Morgan Chase. I was a CEO. Right. Well, then you make a judgment who you're going to vote for, but you can't undo what someone did prior to what they did. And and let's not forget that you know Donald Trump made a lot of money before he came into office. Uh, the voters voted for him, knowing all of that. Voters also vote. Uh, one of the biggest things that uh, went to Trump's advantage when he ran was that people were so even people who were not normal Republican voters are so tired of Washington and so tired of what they perceive to be the corruption that they thought that Trump was honest enough. And would would sort of say anything that he was uncorruptible, he was unbribable, and that I mean that was a huge weapon in his uh, to his advantage. And what's strange about it is you flip the you know flip it over to Joe Biden, and you have this guy who has been on a government salary between him and his wife his entire life. He's a millionaire today. <laughs> he has houses all over the place, and he's he's made all of his money on the government tit. 
And, you know, the, 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 the credibility that Trump had because yeah. he came into it having made his own money and actually sacrificing in order to run for office. It's a little like Bloomberg in New York. Exactly. Yeah. And, and by the way, Bloomberg was writing checks. He would walk around and just go, I can fix this. And we just write checks. He wouldn't yeah. have him tell anyone about it. I, I don't know Mike Bloomberg too well. I only talked to him a couple of times. But he was really effective. He had an objective. And that's the goal. If you are successful as a business person, feel you're very organized, set up systems, can motivate people. I want you in government. Yeah. Get in, get out. Right. And, and it wasn't that Mike Bloomberg was like giving free stuff it's away. richer than Trump, by the way. Yeah. It wasn't that Mike Bloomberg was giving free stuff away. Uh, to the city that made voters like him, it was that by doing that, he demonstrated he didn't need to lie, cheat, and steal from the public. And and Trump had that same – I would say that maybe that was his – you remember like at one point he you know, he would make jokes about how like I know all of you all are, bu- are bought off because at one point I was buying you all off. Right. I mean he would say stuff like that and it was – it was like, I think it had a, like a profound impact on voters that we – to this day we still don't fully appreciate. Well, I would say this. I do think – you know. Um, uh, well, I'm, I, want to, I want you to hear what Chris Christie said yesterday first and then see how you feel about it. So to, they hit they hit Chris Christie when when his numbers are down and numbers are up. Chris Christie's oftentimes the most interesting pundit on the Sunday shows. I wish we He's had him larger here. than life. True. Uh, here is uh, here's Much what he larger. says uh, right now. Cut four on the Republican side. Until there is a campaign engaged, Trump is untouchable. By definition, as you know, a candidate is untouchable until they're touched. And you see what the reaction is to being touched. And that will happen in this race. There's no question in my mind that he will be attacked directly. So and he went on to say this, cut five. Very few of those, including the ones who are already in, are, are willing to take him on frontally as you have. Yeah, no, and I think that's a problem. I mean, I think that's a problem in our party. I mean, if you can't, uh, you know, I don't believe in this lane business. We're talking about different lanes. There's one lane. And the one lane Donald Trump's at the head of. So if you want to be the nominee, you got to go through Donald Trump. I don't think there's another way to do it. Chris Christie, he really shouldn't be talking about lanes. He, he, just, he would shut down all the lanes on the bridge. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he should stick. He should stay away from talking well, about no, lanes. No, but but he was. But having said that, because he would he he be he'd have fun Dumping with that line too. Guest. By the way, if he was here. Yeah. But but is he is he right? Is the only way to deal with Trump is head on? And do you think Ron DeSantis? Oh, will probably. Do that? Oh, oh, oh. That's uh, that's the that's the issue. I want you to put. Uh, yeah, maybe. I guess to some degree. I mean, but also Chris Chris Christie's a big mouth, rude big mouth. He gets away with that stuff. And he and 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 he and Trump are sort of on equal footing in a lot of ways. They are both bombastic. And he gets away with a lot of stuff that most people wouldn't get away with. I would actually argue that the the best way to go after Trump uh, in a primary is to actually not go after him uh, on full attack. It's to celebrate – it would be to celebrate his successes and to congratulate him for all this kind of stuff and thank him for it. But then, say, but but then turn and say, but but you know, for fair, fairly or not, you have turned into like kryptonite for the party. And I don't believe this, but I but I'm saying you could make that argument. These people seem to believe this argument. Um, and and say, you know, I'll get your policies done. If, if you know, if Ron DeSantis would say that. Personally, I don't. And and we'll see if that works because Ron DeSantis can make much of that argument. I think criticizing. Um, I mean, there's there are things you could criticize him 
uh, for uh, – but you're not going to do it by being sort of uh, to the left of Trump. You're only going to do it by going to the sort of the Trump of Trump. Uh, but my argument is I don't think voters – I don't think he's kryptonite to the party. I think he can still win right. uh, easily. And I still think – I think he can – I think he – I don't know about the general. Chris Christie can't win. Um, he can't I, win the primary or the general. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Ron DeSantis. Man, you really I think, like Chris Christie. You're, I, I'm, are you, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm People can't see this, but, I mean, he's got me in a headlock right now. No, he's no, like, so upset about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait for the subway to get you in a headlock. <laughs> um, but I will, I will say this. Well, I like Chris Christie. I'm friendly with him. Yeah, and I do think yeah. he's, he's uh, incredibly insightful and he's direct. I don't think rude direct, I think, is good. Um, but the other thing is with Ron DeSantis, the fight he has to have is direct, like you said, but you can't say you didn't build the wall and you didn't cut spending and you were um, – what else are they, was a common thing that they said? You said you were going to build a wall. Or the COVID oh, stuff? Oh, you're going to drain the swamp. Yeah. Excuse well, well, me. I've, uh, when that's, a, that's a Chris Noon and Chris Christie yeah. attack. I don't agree with that attack because everybody knows why the wall wasn't built. He had to repurpose oh, right. defense funding to do that. Everybody knows that he did the best he can to drain the swamp, but he's only one person the swamp was attacking him at the same time. He had at, he began to do it and COVID hit. Well, yeah, and, I don't and, think you can criticize no. Trump on either one of those two things yeah. because in reality is Paul Ryan came back and said to get the defense spending I need, I got to cut your wall down to 1.6 billion, right. but I'll get it next time and he didn't. Got 1.68 billion wasn't enough. He needed 10 to 20 billion yeah. to build it. The, the, yeah. And the obvious comeback for Trump, if if you're going to attack him, say, oh, you just weren't effective. You had a great po- po- policy platform, but you weren't effective. You can always come back. Yeah, I wasn't uh, effective because wusses like you and the Republican Party didn't back me up. And that is true. I mean, Donald Trump never, you know, most presidents get like a, a year, a honeymoon of six months. Trump went from inauguration to impeachment. Oh, he never had no, I hear you. anything. And, and when you look at his biggest successes, his, biz, his biggest successes were the successes he could have that had nothing to do with Congress. or Trade deals. Trade deals, well, uh, like the Jerusalem thing, or even the success at the border, which was done by Abraham executive orders. Yeah, uh, but, the, uh, but the, the border is the most obvious one because he did so many of that through executive orders, which, of course, meant that Joe Biden could – Flip them over immediately, uh, which is a problem. But, you know, he he really can point to that and say to Ron DeSantis or whoever is saying making this argument that, oh, but, you know, you're great, but you just weren't effective. He could say, yeah, I wasn't effective because of wusses like you. But DeSantis was his biggest backer. Yeah. Uh, and he, yeah, that's why he yeah. was – that's why but, they – But that's I'm, why just, I'm just yeah. thinking about it. Like and on he a was the first – we're going to take a short time out. Come back more with Charlie Hurry. Don't move. I don't think you can go. You can go. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jolie Heard, what else are we going to see you on today? Uh, let's see. Well, gut fell tonight. You have um, Gutfeld tonight. Yeah, so we're, I think we're going to have a whole segment on how great it is. Really? I'm pretty sure I saw the rundown. It's not going to be on that show ever. Really? Probably, yeah. Really? Really. But although I you mean, would you would lead it, you're the perfect oh, person yeah. to be on it. Oh, no. I've got my pom-poms and my like little cheerleader outfit. So if you're Trump, are, are you surprised how disciplined Trump's been over the last few weeks? I uh, think this has been brilliant that he's laid out, let Joe Biden deal with some major issues— and has not allowed any distraction. 
I so I think it's kind of interesting the things that that Trump gets hit for. Um, I think he's actually a lot more disciplined than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, when you think about, uh, and he's also a, a remarkably fast learner because he, you know, obviously at the end of the day he wants to win. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you know when you look at the you look at twenty twenty versus today, all of the the arguments that Biden made for his election, he's a nice guy. He's like he's not gonna he's gonna calm everything down. It's gonna he's restore gonna, America's and, prestige on the world yeah. stage. All of those things, he has completely messed the bed on every single one of them. And I think that he, you know, I think that the matchup in 2024 is going to be vastly different. And you know, the also little things taking away our gas ovens. They are. Oh my gosh, they're limiting the water right. and dishwashers. That's conspiracy. That's conspiracy. Right. It's you're, happened. You're a nut job <laughs> and a tinfoil hat. No wonder Gutfeld makes fun of you. Wow, you, you're not allowed to do the show tonight. I don't need two people turning on me. No, I, I always defend your honor. Um, you never do. Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Man, what a consequential week we have today. Think about what's going on. Thanks for so much for being here at 48th and 6th, Midtown Manhattan, around the country, around the world. So crazy things going on right now in New York. You have Mayor Adams. We have 60-plus thousand illegal aliens been shipped here from Texas and Arizona, right? And they've come here. About 44,000 are still left in 167 different locations. They're now going to convert JFK JFK old hangars to put beds in there. Really? What are you going to do when they're not sleeping? There's nothing there. So they're going to convert all these old places. So you know what Mayor Adams says? I'm going to go send them to different counties in suburban uh, in our suburbs, Rockland and Orange County. I'm sure it's going to be Nassau and Suffolk. And just so you know, uh, there are places in New York City which are as dense as possible. And then you go to the suburbs, and it looks like typical suburbia USA. And then you have rural America and upstate New York. And Mayor Adams does not have the power to ship these people around, I don't think. Plus, they're not sanctuary counties. New York City made themselves a sanctuary county. So now they're at war. The front page of the New York Post right now, at war, um, with each other as Mayor Adams tries to overstep. So when a bus arrives at a would-be facility booked without anybody in that county knowing it, do they say, don't open the door, the cops come? I mean, think about how crazy this is because this president won't, won't undo uh, what he won't actually enforce the border and never has. So you got Title 42 expiring on Thursday. On Wednesday, James Comer comes with these big revelations about the Hunter Biden investigation. And on Tuesday, you have a big meeting raising the debt ceiling, the credit of our country's at stake. With me right now, Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist and award-winning New York Post columnist. Just got another great award. His latest one is honored by the New York State Shield uh, for his dedicated writing and support uh, through the journalistic lens of law enforcement. Congratulations on the award, Michael. Thank you. Brian, it was uh, it was a lovely event. I must say, this New York State Shields group just does a terrific job of really uh, loving the families uh, of fallen officers, and it, it's heartbreaking and yet inspiring to see that this kind of fraternity exists and uh, such a diverse group of families who who all, all lost loved ones in the line of duty. It was uh, it was a, a a pleasure and a great, great humbling honor to be among them. Yeah, well earned. Another one of your many awards. You're going to need the Goodwin Library soon. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to be open from 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. 
uh, with weekends for a special uh, special service. You could rent it out too for different events. No, uh, I, you know, you've given me some food for thought, Brian. There you go, the Goodwin legacy. So, so Michael, the, the front page of the New York Post today is a national story. A mayor deciding, I'm going to mail some, I'm going to send some of my illegal immigrants over to Orange County and Rockland County, and they're pushing back big time. And they're going to go. They go. They're going to go to the mat to push back. Who's going to win this? Well, it, it, it is an ironic situation because Adams, the mayor of New York City, of course, complained about uh, the governor of Texas sending uh, migrants to New York. And the fact is, uh, Governor Abbott of Texas sent uh, several thousand, perhaps five or six thousand, which is really just a drop in the bucket of of uh, of the total number. As you said, it was approaching sixty thousand. No one knows for sure. All they can do now is more or less just count the ones in city facilities, and those are upwards of forty thousand. So they're not really sure if the others left. If some of them left if they're found friends or relatives or some kind of private accommodations. So it just points up the absurdity of the border situation. So Adams complained about the governor of Texas, but now Adams becomes the source of shipping them to other areas. So don't forget, not about two months ago, he wanted to send hundreds of them to an upstate community college, and the city would pay for them to go to community college. I mean, these people are not even legal residents in the United States. They, I mean, the, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, talked recently about helping them uh, get work authorizations and to be able to stay in the country permanently. Hold on here. These people got an asylum claim. And under our foolish laws, they're allowed to wait in the United States until the law, until the asylum claim is adjudicated. But that may take seven, eight, nine, ten years. So the idea that we are paying for lawyers and groups like Catholic Charities to go into Mexico, coach them on how to make an asylum claim, and then ship them around the country once they're in the border with the Border Patrol just becoming clerks, just taking down their name and address or, or, or their name and some way to reach them, a cell phone number or something, and then to tell them later. But they're in the wind. They're not coming back. They're not going to leave the country. This is all on Joe Biden, but I'm happy to see Eric Adams is now on the side of those who say it's too many, it's too much, uh, because he foolishly said, well, New York is a sanctuary city. Let them come here. Well, they came, and now he can't handle it. And we're and paying say, for it. There are, there are these shelters all over the city, including the police training center, which is not being used right now, but they've turned that into a shelter. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no 122 emergency shelters, eight large humanitarian relief centers, and more have to be built. They're also uh, looking to send, uh, uh, send them to a 170-room uh, inn uh, suites in Orangeburg County, in Orange County, uh, and then one in Rockland County. And, they, and the people there go, whoa, 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 you're not even telling us what's going on, so they're going to fight it out. Meanwhile, we have Senator Kristen Sinema saying there's no communication at all with the local governors, and there's no communication with the local sheriffs, yet this is all our problem. Listen to what she says, and I give her credit for speaking out. Cut 11. We also are very concerned that all of this is happening in the week or so before the rollout. 
just today, I was on the phone with a sheriff of Cochise County. He has gotten no information from the Department of Homeland Security or the federal government about what the flow is going to look like, about what they can expect for processing in terms of how long it takes to process migrants. He's gotten no information, neither have I, about how many buses there will be available to transport migrants. Now, he's gotten the information he does have from me, because I call him every few days, but he's not gotten that information from the Department of Homeland Security. And that's the story. They say they do, and they go turn their borders close. It's not. They say they do communicate. They don't. The White House is in constant communication. They aren't. And they just let it happen. And I, this stuff, I cannot get this video out of my head that Bill Malusian shot and that Elon Musk retweeted and just wrote, wow. There is a line as far as you can see from our drone video of people lined up knowing they're going to be standing there for two days. Single men coming into our country with no luggage, just standing. What are they doing? I mean, are you kidding? You can't just walk into, let's say I want to walk into Hungary. Let's say I want to walk into France. I want to walk into Saudi Arabia. How is that going to go? We're the only country that is this stupid. Uh, it, it is remarkable. I mean, and, you know, Brian, I, I have to confess, there was a period there where Fox was the only one really covering this day in, day out, where I stopped watching the stories because it just made me – I couldn't Sick. believe I it, that, that we are just letting this happen to our country. Uh, as Donald Trump says, and he, is, he says it correctly, if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. And that's what's happening here. Every country in the world has borders that are enforced. We have stopped enforcing the border law, and the world wants to come here. And you can't blame them from the, from the countries they're coming from. So it's not on them. It's on us. We did this to ourselves. I mean, no, I cannot, I cannot uh, imagine yeah. a larger self-inflicted wound uh, by a president, certainly in, in my history. Well, I tell you this. I'm heartened by the fact that the American people are calling him out on it. He's got 36 percent approval rating among Democrats. Fifty eight percent of Democrats want somebody else. How has he handled the economy? Well, 54 percent say Trump handled it better. Thirty six percent say Biden handled it better. Finally, I don't care what you think of his hairstyle or, or his attitude. People are just looking at their wallets, losing ground to Trump big time. Independence. He was plus 13 on Election Day 2020. Now he's minus nine for African-Americans. He had 75 percent of the African-American vote. Now it's down to 35 percent of the African-American vote. Head to head with Trump. 44-38 Trump's winning. Undecided is 18 percent. That's significant. Against DeSantis. It is 48-41. So both men are beating Joe Biden on pure performance. Yeah, and, you know, Brian, that, that poll was, was stunning uh, in the sense of all of those categories, what gaps there were. And it really feels to me as though Joe Biden is now reaching the point of no return. I mean, you are deep into your administration. You have had time to do your will. You have your policies, your reactions to events, what you shaped, what you responded to. It's all in the books now. There's no hiding it. There's no blaming Trump anymore. This is your economy. This is your country. And people are looking and they're saying, 
I don't like this. This isn't good. This isn't working for me. And then, of course, you look abroad and you see the weakness and you see this this fear of World War Three is coming. So I don't know how Joe Biden fixes this. I, I, I don't see a path for him to do better because. But do they pull him, close, Michael? Do they pull him? Well, the question is, do they tell him, right? Does he know? Does he understand? Uh, But I think that even if you close the border today, which he's not going to do, you still have about 6 million people here who are awaiting these hearings for the most part or who just crossed without any kind of registration. They're just illegal illegal immigrants now uh, with no right to be here whatsoever. So – I don't know how he fixes these things. How does he fix inflation? How does he fix the debt? All of these issues, I think, are now – it's almost too late for him to have any so, credibility. So, but I'll tell you what. It's not too late to have the meeting Tuesday and make something happen. So he said, I don't know. I'll tell him in person what I've told him before, even though they haven't spoken in, in 96 days, haven't met, in Kevin McCarthy, uh, that I'm not dealing – I want a clean debt ceiling bill. Senator James Langford reminded me, maybe not our audience and maybe not you, that they did raise the debt ceiling under Trump. But Trump actually had to pay the price for it. Listen to this. Cut 26. Go back to uh, 2017. Senator Schumer said that the debt limit was leverage for Democrats to be able to negotiate with President Trump. When uh, when, uh, at that time, Senator Biden uh, was there uh, under the Bush administration, there were five different debt ceiling votes during that time. He voted for one. He voted no on two of them. And on two of them, he didn't even show up to vote on the two that he voted no on. He put out a statement saying that the world has changed and that we need to raise taxes at this point. So he was using that time to raise taxes. Speaker Pelosi used that leverage with President Trump to increase spending around the debt limit. So it seems very odd every time there's a Republican that's involved in the debate. Suddenly the media talks about, oh, there's going to be this great calamity. We've always paid our bills. But Democrats and Republicans have both used this moment to be able to look at it and say, let's talk about where we're going, what's the direction, what's the future. I mean, people just got to realize this. We, we, we were down this road before. I forgot that Nancy Pelosi got spending out of the president. So did Schumer. They both did. Twice. Sure. Sure. Look, and, uh, you know, the, the situation in, in the House is such that what, what Schumer and, and uh, Biden and Hakeem Jeffries are trying to do is basically overtake the House. So that so that the House, which has voted to raise the debt ceiling, but also to cut spending, to tie the two together in one piece of legislation, they want to just make it raise the debt limit and say, we'll talk about spending later. But it's so close in the House that they're going to keep that pressure up in the hopes they can swing a few Republicans to join with all the Democrats Mm -hmm. who will just vote to raise the debt limit. And so this is a real test for Kevin McCarthy and his speakership. Can he hold the Republican majority so that it doesn't give Biden that real option? He's either got to take the spending cuts with the debt increase or he's going to have to face a default. That's a, you know, he, McCarthy can accurately say, we have raised the debt limit, but we are not going to go forward unless we get spending, even minor spending restraints is what it amounts to. It amounts to money that hasn't been spent. Absolutely. Back less. to 2022 levels. That's it. It's and, and repurposing pandemic money. 
This yes. stuff is so easy for them to work out, and then we got to be mature about where we go from here, uh, and then how to grow the economy too. That would definitely help spending build. Uh, Michael, congratulations again on your award, well deserved, and thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, and thank you, Brian. All right, go get it, Michael Goodwin. We come back to your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Then we go inside Washington with the great Brett Bear. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jordan Neely was not armed with any weapon. He did not attack any person. He did not manifest any physical threat. And so there was no justification for choking Jordan Neely for 15 minutes and then ultimately choking him to death. Like, Mr. Penny should be prosecuted for homicide in some form, whether it's murder or manslaughter. If, if the feeling of discomfort becomes grounds for killing the severely mentally ill, then we cease to be a civilized society. A hundred percent. And I thoroughly, if you just to, to reframe your memory, just so you know, there was a out of command schizophrenic lunatic who's been arrested 44 times on a subway threatening people and a 24-year-old Marine, he's 30 years old, uh, put him in a headlock. We don't know what happened in between, but just look to restrain him. So bad it was two other passengers grabbed his arms because the guy was threatening people. We all see it all the time. If you are uh, ever in a subway in New York, you know exactly what we're talking about. It happens randomly. This happened 2.30 in the afternoon, and sadly the guy died. Uh, and nobody, you don't restrain somebody and try to kill him at the same time. They say it's a chokehold, it was a restraining hold, it was submission hold. So we got him to the ground, and we don't know the exact details of what happened, but today they're going to decide, more than likely, a grand jury gets the case on whether to indict this guy. And I'm telling you, already it's going to freeze people to not touch people. So this one of these, ironically, one of the things that this guy went to jail for was punching a woman in the head, an older woman in the head when she wasn't looking. She still has brain damage today. So next time you see a, a crazed guy on a subway and you see him harassing people that obviously can't defend themselves, you have to think twice. If your instinct says, let me go help that person, you have to wonder, am I going to ruin my family, my livelihood, my personhood? Am I going to lose my freedom for doing the right thing? And now there's ridiculous protests over the weekend. They dove into the subway on the tracks. They stopped these from going. They stopped people from getting off subways. You hear people saying, I need to get to work. I need to get to work. And they, they just continue to block it. They block bridges led by Hawk Newsom and other idiots who think this is a black-white situation because the guy was black. And they're playing his Michael, Michael Jackson impersonation and saying that, you shouldn't be allowed to you should be allowed to the governor saying you should be allowed to be a passenger on a subway and not get killed. Yeah, you should be at a passenger in a subway and not get threatened with your life by somebody saying, I don't care about going to prison. I don't care if I die. So we're going to find out what's going to happen as soon as today. But believe me, if this guy is indicted, uh, all hell is going to break loose. It's upside down world all over again. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. We come back. I go inside politics with Brett Bear, one of the most consequential weeks that I can remember outside an election week uh, that I can remember probably ever. I'll explain when we come back. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
You talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. Only 36 percent of Democrats think that their party should nominate Joe Biden for a second term. Fifty eight percent say they would uh, support someone else or prefer someone else. That's despite the fact that the entire DNC and most of the Democratic establishment has rallied behind President Biden. So that was Rick Klein, who's been on before with Brett Baer. I think I'm not speaking out of school, but now he's with ABC as a contributor and he's breaking down the numbers. And just a stunning ABC poll that George Stephanopoulos made news because he said it's just awful for President Biden. No doubt about it. When you have 36 percent approval rating, pretty awful. Fifty eight percent prefer someone else to run. If you're a Democrat, this is among Democrats in terms of who handled the economy better, Biden or Trump. Thirty six percent say Biden. Fifty four percent say Trump. And this is the most stunning news. Head to head, Trump beats Biden and DeSantis beats Biden. 149-42 and DeSantis 48-41, who's not officially even in the race. Brett Baer joins us, chief political anchor. Uh, A special report is going to be hosting in a few hours. Uh, Brett, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Pretty stunning. Uh, I've never seen a poll. I've never ever that I can remember that, that Trump ever leading Biden by at all. It may be by one or two tops. What what's going on here? Yeah, it's a big shift. And this is, you know, ABC, Washington Post, respected poll, um, and one that is an eye-opener. I mean, a real eye-opener. And it's not just the low approval rating, which had been trending, you know, in a number of polls. But you're right. In the head-to-head, Trump plus seven, that really takes away the, you know, electability argument uh, or lack of um, that some Republicans and Democrats, you know, point to, to Donald Trump as being vulnerable. In this poll, he's not vulnerable. It is President Biden who's vulnerable. And um, and I think that's across the board. It's not just the shaky economy that people are worried about. It's also his capability and ability. Uh, you saw that answer to MSNBC about his age. Um, I'm just I don't think people are buying it. How about the fact that he called a press conference for himself that he wasn't having on Friday? It was a major press conference, and he was talking about the MSNBC interview. uh, And they had to walk that back within the hour at the White House. And there's a lot of walking back at the White House. Um, And, you know, a lot of people turn the other way and say, well, it's just Joe being Joe. Not sure that the American public seen that. So their big scramble now, and it's no secret, it's been written up everywhere, is to make Kamala Harris uh, a legitimate presidential candidate and let people say, hey, he might be a little old, but Kamala Harris is ready to go. Is it working? I mean, I don't think so. I don't think anybody's pointing to a lot of accomplishments that Kamala Harris has made. I don't think they're saying, you know, the border looks great or, you know, any of these issues have – have really been in her column. So, you know, when they put her out politically, um, it, it doesn't seem to move the needle even among Democrats. Uh, so, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with top Democrats uh, who are really, really worried that they're positioning themselves to run another campaign that's just anybody but Trump and not have the juice to beat Trump. That's really the sense I get in in the Democratic circles. Here's what Hakeem Jeffries said yesterday, cut six. 
Well, that's one poll, and I've seen uh, other public opinion surveys that have indicated uh, that there's a, a closer approximation between the actual reality of the incredible job that President Biden has done with respect to the economy, record low unemployment, more than 12 million good-paying jobs have been created. He reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion during President Biden's first two years. That's a record. But, of course, President Biden recognizes that more needs to be done to continue to build out an economy uh, that benefits everyday Americans coming out of COVID and an inflationary environment. And they think they're going to run on not uh, so much better than Trump and abortion. And I think that a lot of people are looking at Ron DeSantis and they're saying looks like he's going to skip his exploratory phase and just get in. And they're saying that the abortion, signing on to a six-week abortion, whether you're the most pro-life person in the world politically, that might help them in the primary, but not in the general. Is that the conventional wisdom in Washington? That is the conventional wisdom that signing the six-week ban was a political misstep, especially at that time. You know, listen to the room um, and, you know, 15 weeks, you can make the case that that's a reasonable uh, law and that the folks that are pushing for no ban or no restrictions are the extremists. And that's where many Republicans are trying to get. But when you get to six weeks, it becomes a lot harder to make that argument. And, you know, DeSantis did that in a way that didn't seem like he explained it all. So, yeah, politically, that's the conventional wisdom. I, you know, I love this stuff. You love it more than anybody else I know, too. But you're also at the hub of reporting it, so you got to be calm. I can be kind of emotional on the radio. That's one of the great things, but you have to report it. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I love it because it's so similar to sports. But, but believe it or not, I think that uh, if you told me five years ago, there'll be a, or six years ago, there'll be a presidential candidate that would be indicted a month ago, and then yesterday, uh, and on Friday, his uh, his testimony was released uh, when he had to be debriefed before his rape trial, which is it's a civil trial accusing him of rape and defamation, and his testimony would be released talking about these horrible situations, calling a female attorney. A horrible, you're you're a horrible, despicable person too. You're put, and hearing all this stuff that's going on and describing the Access Hollywood tape and saying for the last million years celebrities can do anything they want with women, and think that that person would be surging in the presidential polls, I would say, Brett, you're crazy. There's no way. But that's what's that, happening. I would have said that eight years ago, but in after 2016. After the Access Hollywood tape, after the I like prisoners who weren't captured, John McCain comment, I think that it just changed. You know, like the rules changed. And it's interesting. I don't think we're done with indictments. I think that the special counsel may move forward on handling of documents. I think there could be something in Georgia. And it'll be painted with a broad brush that it's political. And the former president will try to do that and probably do it effectively with his base. The question is whether this number about beating Biden stays at plus seven if that happens. And that's the real question for Republicans as we head into the meat of this primary. Brett, it might go to plus 14. I mean, if he got seven points off the last one. Exactly. uh, And I do expect the two more indictments just judging by everything I've seen before. 
And also there's a lot of lawyers who we both talk to who say that both of these cases are beatable on Trump's part and they both have holes in it. And I will say that we're not really hearing much about the the Biden investigation, but uh, this is this is the week that we have. Tuesday is the debt ceiling meeting. On Wednesday, James Comer says, "Hold your horses." I have Hunter revelations and Biden family revelations. On Thursday, the end of Title Forty Two. Can we just real quick go through all three days? On Tuesday, the debt ceiling. Judging by how horrendous these numbers are and what the House was able to pass, and with forty five Republican senators signing on to it, do you believe that? Somehow Biden says, "Okay, let's just let's work. Let's work together instead of give me a clean debt ceiling. I think that's what happens eventually. I doubt it happens Tuesday. I think it probably is, you know, the first marker of a conversation. But eventually they get to some conversation. The problem is that McCarthy has to hold his caucus together if it changes dramatically from what they passed. And so then it becomes that right. Democrats have to sign on to whatever cuts Biden agrees to. So it's a little bit of a dance here, uh, but I think that dance starts on Tuesday. Wednesday. Title 42. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Wednesday. Just yeah. Wednesday on Wood Comer's revelations, he said, hold your horses, uh, DOJ. I wait to Wednesday before you indict Hunter. Yeah. I, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that's coming out of that committee. And, you know, they've been following the money. Um, now they have whistleblowers. Um, and, you know, I think that they're digging in. And if there are more revelations, um, they're going to pass them on to the DOJ and FBI. Uh, but meantime, the FBI, you know, they're looking for that, that paper of the one whistleblower who said that there is, there's a document there and they've got to come forward with it. And on Thursday, goodbye, Title 42. Already the Border Patrol Union put out there's 7,700 coming. Uh, I mean, I saw the video that Malusian put up over the weekend that even Elon Musk tweeted on. I mean, what, we're ne- we've never been down this road before. No, this is um, uncharted territory, and um, we've seen big numbers on the border, but I don't think tied to one specific date we've seen this kind of movement. And so here we are, and I don't think the administration has any answer. And uh, you listen to Kristen Cinema; She says she's really, really worried that there is no answer. Uh, and I think it's going to come to a head Thursday. It will. And then, uh, and then we'll see what happens. Hey, Brett, uh, thanks so much. I know it's going to be a big week. Thanks so much for joining us. You bet. We'll All see right. you. Uh, the great Brett Bear, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back, we'll find out if there's indeed more to know. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Last one for you, personal question. Uh, Ronnie in the building, going to stay here. We saw USC, just the, the pride that you have in him and, and everything that goes into that. Uh, one of the best days of my life. Um, first of all, congratulations to Ronnie on, on his decision he made. Um, you know, I'm super proud of him. Our family is proud of him. Um, for me personally, um, it's even more special to me because it's the first time uh, someone out of my family to go to college. Super duper proud, super emotional. So that is LeBron James. His son, Brian, is going to go to USC, and he's one of the top recruits in the country. It's tough. You know, he's smaller than his dad. There's no way he's going to be, uh, most likely, he's never going to be close to as good as his dad. I know Michael Jordan, 
son played college basketball. But this is one of the advantages. I know it's selfish, and I know the capitalist society. The fact is, to get into the NBA, you got to be 19. You can go to the uh, the G League. Okay, got it. But I'm sure if LeBron had to play college, as soon as he saw college basketball and all his friends playing, as much fun as in the NBA, you're 19 years old, you really have nothing in common with everybody you're playing with, and now he's forced to go to USC, and he's already made, I think I looked at his name, image, and likeness, I think he's making like $7 million already. So, I mean, to start school, it's not like you're sacrificing a paycheck. What if I twist my knee? You're LeBron James, his son, Brian James, and you're that good, and and you know what? He's going to fill up that that arena, that stadium. So he, they're going to make money back. All his products will be there. So fascinating to see. I know, interesting, Arch Manning at Texas has turned down all NIL money, name, image, and likeness money. He's the number one of football recruit quarterback until he starts. He says, as soon as I earn the starting position, I'll take the money. But right now I'm not starting. Why would anyone invest in me? Which That's I, good for him. Yeah. But I mean— good. Being that uh, LeBron's son is smaller, but isn't Steph Curry smaller than his dad or no? Yeah. Right. But Steph Curry, Del Curry, was never great. He was good. I mean, LeBron is considered top three player ever, and he's 6'8". Evidently, the younger brother, I can't give the definitive, the younger brother does have his dad's size. There's another brother coming up. Oh, wow. Yeah, so interesting. I look forward to watching him play. Another reason to watch college. That's why I'm glad they had to wait till 19, because like, at least I get a year of it, and who knows you know, maybe the guy was going to want to stick around. Let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Spirits Capital Corporation. Barreled whiskey is the cash cow of industry insiders. But now you too can invest in premium American whiskey as it ages. Go to caskdeeds.com. C-A-S-K-Deeds.com to learn more. Paid for by Spirits Capital Corporation. All right, here we go. Let's get started. The WGA, the Writers Guild of America, is still on strike. Uh, they have not, uh, analysts say they're still far apart. So no SNL, no late night shows. And you know our theory, we talked to someone higher up in the entertainment business. The general theory is, Allison? That the studios want this to go on because they're saving a ton of money. Yeah, there are no rush. It's starting the summer. Not many people are watching. And people are getting concerned about the size of the audience as compared to the size of the salaries. But you know what you should be watching for late night is Gutfeld, because that's going to still be new. Right. Uh, he can't unionize unless they try to unionize against his will. Next, um, another reason to leave California, Scott Bayo is. He announced he's leaving California due to the homeless crisis and crime. Bayo says he's, he's setting his $3.85 million home on the market. Wow, that's a lot of Joni Loves Chachi money, right? That must be a heck of a residual deal. Charles in Charge, I guess he did Charles in Charge. I never watched that. Uh, Eric, are you going to help at all? Did you watch Charles and Charles? You didn't? Okay. Uh, the former Happy Day star put, ho- put his home on Woodland Hills. Very nice area, but very hot in the summer. Uh, having purchased it for $1.85 million, so he's going to double it. Will he get it? After 45 years, he says, uh, I'm making my way out because of what's happened in California. A lot of people are doing that. And if Scott Baio's not there, who would stay? Who wants to live there? I agree. Who needs uh, Harry and Meghan if uh, Scott Baio's not there? All right, how can you have... A big celebrity party knowing that Scott can't come. I agree. Plus, he could Zoom in. That's another thing. You could have a party. He could join on Zoom. Do we know where he's moving to, though? I say Las Vegas. Because it's the same weather. It's a lot cheaper. It's flatter. And it's easy to get to L.A. Isn't that why Mark yes. Wahlberg moved there? Right. And uh, Mark Wahlberg and Scott Baio, different, at different times. They've been uh, famous at different times. Uh, meanwhile... 
how our brains change when we grieve. When we lose a connection to someone, the brain actually changes. Why it matters, grief is an intense emotional experience. Better understanding of the biological effects of loss on the brain can help ease the pain. How it works, the bonds we form with one another take biological forms in the brain, changes in hormones, the expression of genes and more. Uh, there are neural maps a link for this experience. Studies have found that brain's reward systems were activated by those relationships, motivating us to maintain these bonds and reunite with loved ones regularly. So your brain's got to change if someone uh, dies. Yeah, because it said you're, it's sort of torn with, like, you think of the person, you think of, like, the phone calls and things like that, but then you have the memory of the funeral and things like that. Okay, a little depressed? A little depressing, but I guess it's interesting to know how our brain's wired. Next, China leapfrogs the U.S. on regulations, on AI regulations. American leaders fret that China might eventually overtake the U.S. in developing AI. Beijing is already way ahead of Washington in, in enacting rules for the new technology. The Biden administration is behind both allies and adversaries with setting up guardrails. While officials in Washington talk about delivering user rights and guardrails, the CEOs to mitigate risks, Beijing and Brussels are actually delivering rights and mitigating risks. So we got to catch up. I can't believe that Beijing would be better on regulation. Well, no, you would think they're just probably sitting there in a biosphere, just keeping everything just well, I mean, in the nose. It makes sense that they're better on that because they don't have the checks and balances. So they just say, the CC, we're going to do this, right? It says they're going to be a delivery, delivering tighter central government control of the debate, right? So they can just, like, lock things down and have out there what they want you to know. I mean, a lot of the stuff still transpires. So if you're going to mock my voice and try to get my bank account number, I'm going to sue you. You're breaking the law. You're better at it. It's more dangerous. But still, your approach is wrong, right? I mean, if you're trying to dupe people, that's crazy. If you're trying to, if you make an ad and steal someone's likeness and their voice and cut a song, they can sue you. Just like, just because it's better, it doesn't mean the laws change. So you don't need new laws for that. What do you need new laws for? The laws can apply, yeah. But then the courts will judge them, you know, in different ways, depending on how they can bend them. They might just need to tighten things up a little bit. Yeah. Can we meet on this? I mean, please. Don't don't worry. The vice president's in charge. She is all over it. Can't wait for those guardrails. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.